scripture reading for today is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. My dear children, you come from God and belong to God. You have already won a big victory over those false teachers, for the spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. These people belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk to the world's language, and the world eats it up. But we come from God and belong to God. Anyone who knows God understands us and listens. The person who has nothing to do with God will, of course, not listen to us. This is another test for telling the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. Good morning. All right. So a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, Jimmy, um, let's, uh, let's begin planning some trips uh, to do some hurricane relief. He says, oh, man, I'd love to, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure how I could do it because I've got these trips. And I said, hey, I'll do anything you need me to because I know how much him and Gail wanted to go. And he says, can you preach? It's <laughs> like, uh, I'll show up. So we'll see what happens this morning, but you can blame Jimmy. Uh, we've got a couple things going on this week that I do want you to know about. Let's hit our first uh, slide. And uh, Ty, if you want to come on up here. Our youth group right now is involved in something called discipleship groups, and that is age-appropriate groups. We're discussing a movie called To Save a Life, and we're doing that Wednesday night, so I want to encourage you to have your teenager here. But this Wednesday night, we're doing something really special, and you're going to get the real Cliff Note version right now from Ty, and it's happening this Wednesday night. Yeah, just real quick, just make you aware of something that's going on. Uh, Wednesday night over at uh, Antler Stadium, we're having a student-led youth rally, and it's called Fields of Faith, and that's a national event that'll be going on. Uh, in gyms and stadiums across the nation uh, this Wednesday night. And we're hosting our own uh, at Antler Stadium at 7 o'clock. And one of the things we're going to do, it's a little bit different this year, uh, is towards the end of our program, uh, we're going to have cardboard testimonies. And if you've been here the last couple of years, we, we did that here a couple of years ago. Um, and so I'm looking for a few more people who'd like to be involved with that. So if you would, uh, if that's something you'd be interested in, come see me, find me after church, and I'll uh, get you squared away with the details. But again, that's 7 o'clock. Uh, at Antler Stadium this Wednesday night. Thanks. Okay, we'll stay right here. Now, this is going to involve Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I know uh, um, the ministry that DR and Malia help lead, Swag Ministries, is going to be there. Uh, First United Methodist, First Baptist, uh, First Christian, us, um, Calvary, lots of ministries um, um, from all across the Hill Country are going to be gathering. So, this is just calling people together who are. Uh, who want to raise the name of Jesus. And so let's pray over that event for you. Father, I thank you for Ty and the leadership position you've given him there at Tivy. Uh, and the call on his heart, Father, he just can't shake uh, the call to uh, gather athletes and any students who want to call on your name. And uh, Father, I pray for this event. I pray for safety, but I pray also, Father, that you would shake the place, that it, we would not go there and just go feel warm and fuzzy, but that we would go in, that in the truth of your word and in the calling of your spirit, Father, we would see the way that the foothold of the world has on our lives and on students' lives needs to be broken. And so I pray for your spirit to come in power at Fields of Faith, that you would protect Ty and those who are leading it, and that we would lift your name up high uh, in fellowship together and encourage each other to walk in your steps. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Ty. Um, we've got a couple other things going on, and that is uh, our high school students this next uh, Sunday morning are going to begin teaching down in our elementary school 
classes. And so one of the things that we've tried to do is we've tried to say, you know what, if our kids leave this church uh, after college, we want them to be able to not only believe, but we want them to feel like they can fit in at another church. They can find a place not only where they belong, but where they are needed. And so this is one of our attempts, as I've partnered with Renee and her teachers to train, and, and now with Raymond, to train our students in ministry, to use those giftings to teach, or maybe to help sing on a praise team, or to help a church in an audio booth, or to use art, or uh, there's other talents that they can use. So if you're a high school student and you're here and you weren't in Bible class this morning, uh, go to KC Youth Group and you can actually select what would be some of your top choices of places to serve. And, uh, and we're going to get you plugged in. Um, because we want you, when you leave here, we want you to go to a church and the, the smiling face at the door gives you a bulletin and they say, we need a fifth grade teacher. And I want you to say, I've done that before. We want you to walk into a church that uh, needs people on their praise team and you say, God's given me that gift and I can share it with this body of believers. God, would you use me here? Because when you leave here, and if your only way to determine which congregation you're going to be in is who serves pizza on Thursdays at lunch at their Bible chair, your spiritual growth is not going to continue when you leave here. So I want to encourage you, dig in deep with this, develop some talents, and, uh, and let's share them as you grow up and as you, as you uh, leave this congregation. Last thing I want to tell you about is this Thursday and Friday, we have groups that are leaving um, Kerrville uh, to go serve in the Rockport area. So if you're interested in that, I want to encourage you to jump on that train. Now, uh, Doug Winters and Jimmy Sportsman are helping lead that group, uh, and there's different departure times and arrival times, and we're taking some transportation. So it, the cost is zero to you except for you to give up your time to go serve there. So if you're interested in that, contact Doug Winters, uh, and you can sign up by going to CurvilleChurch.com. That icon right there is going to be in the upper right-hand corner. Okay? Um, all right. I think I'm supposed to preach today, too. So what's my next slide? All right. Lights out. Man, it has been... Uh, it, this has been a, a very good series for, for me to hear as Jimmy has continued to challenge me to look at the book of John and look at the simplicity and then to reflect back onto my own life. The challenge that he gave me is to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I want to encourage you to open up your Bible. I don't have slides with the scripture, so we're actually going to get to open up our Bibles, underline them, mark them up. Uh, and so that'll be fun for us today. But it comes to the question of, have you ever asked anyone for guidance? Some of us who have kids, babies, toddlers, teenagers have often uh, raised our fists at the sky and asked, why wasn't this in the instruction manual? To which some of you are asking, wait, there is an instruction manual for raising kids? Well, of course, not. Um, but we want guidance somehow. Now, maybe you are like me in some of these situations. You, you pull out an item from a box, and you start to plug it in and press buttons instead of reading instructions. How many are instructions readers? Instruction readers. 
Okay, good deal. Now, put your hand down. Raise your hand if your spouse is not an instructions reader. Okay, those are the same people, right? And so it's interesting, God's sense of humor that he has that puts us together. I prefer the plug and press buttons method, uh, but my wife usually figures things out before I do because she actually reads the paper uh, that comes with the different manuals. But Jimmy and Greg have done a great job looking at 1 John and really challenging us to what does it look like to live a life that follows Jesus who came in the flesh and to give our lives to others the way that Jesus gave his life. This group of believers that, that this letter was addressed to were gathering in small home churches. There weren't churches like this, this size. They weren't coming. They weren't singing songs uh, in the same way that we were. But they did have choruses that they would sing together. And they would encourage one another. They would have a meal. And they would confess sins together. And they would struggle with their own humanity together. And they would... Uh, um, discriminate against one another and then come back and there would need to be more teaching from the apostles and the disciples and then they would try to correct it. I mean, just read through the letters in the New Testament and you see that, that the struggle was real. How do I live my life today? How do I live my life today? Following a man who died. Following a man who, I'm hearing these stories that actually rose from the grave. And this particular group of people is hearing from John. And, and many of us know that John was uh, called the, the beloved disciple. It's the one that Jesus loved. He had a special bond, a kinship with Jesus. And many of them think it's because he was very young at that time. Another reason they think that he was very young is because this book, the book of 1 John, was written in 90 AD. So that's about 60 years after Jesus' death. Well, how could he still be alive if he was a 30-year-old man whenever um, Jesus walked the earth? Well, is it possible? Yes. But it's even more possible if he's around the age of 70 or maybe even early 80. So there are several reasons for that. But this is who John is writing to. And this is who's reading this letter. They're sitting in a small church home and they're reading this letter and they're trying to figure out what it means. Most of them didn't own an individual copy of the letter of John. In fact, the church probably did not own a document that said, hey, we have a letter of John. What they did was they would receive one and they would read it and as a community, they would talk about what it meant for them. And then they would pass it on because down the street, there's another group of believers that are meeting and gathering. And they're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And John had done teaching, and he had begun these small churches. And he had friends that would help him, and he would write these letters, and he would send them out to them. And then after teaching there for a couple weeks, they would go and they would pass them on to another one. Well, as beautiful as that sounds, that also opens up the door for more people to come in and say, hey, you know what, uh, I, I'm a follower of, and they would name another person, and they would say, and um, they taught us about Jesus too. Let me teach you. And some of those things are very constructive. And that's how the Word of God, and that's how the church was built up. Now, what that also opens up the door for is for people coming in and teaching things that were not in accordance with the gospel of grace that Jesus came and taught us. And you can see that even Galatians is a very good example of that. It's very clear. Um, when Paul even writes the letter of 1 Corinthians, he's writing back to a small group of, of believers and he's saying, you think I'm being strong 
worded now, wait till I come in person. Because they are fallen away from the things that they were teaching. And as Jimmy told us, there's some things that they're struggling with. And one of the things that this group is struggling with is, was Jesus God and human? Or was he just human? Or was he just a spirit? Let's look at this right here in chapter 3. Sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world and they speak as, as if they are from the world and the world listens to them. But we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God, I thank you for the words that you inspired John to write. I thank you that he listened to your spirit. Not as you dictated word for word, but as you moved his heart and you opened his eyes clearly to the gospel of Jesus. I thank you for his heart to share it with others. And I thank you for those men and women of the faith who have lost their lives to preserve these words not just on a piece of parchment or to print them in a book, but also to live them out and show us your life. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to be moving around a little bit. This isn't new ground that he's covering right here, except for the fact whenever he begins to talk about testing the spirits. John had just told them in the last verse of chapter 3, if you look at that, that they can be sure of their salvation because of the spirit that God has put in them. And so we almost have this buildup where he says, you know what, you can be sure. You can be sure of the thing that you're staking your life on because God has placed his spirit alive in you. And then the very next verse, he puts, so after the exclamation mark, he puts a question mark and it says this, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that's what I was just telling you about, about the teachers. John had told them to have confidence with God's spirit in them. And then the next sentence he says, not every spirit can be trusted. Here's why they need to test these spirits. Because they want to stand strong in their faith. John is very specific here and he tells us why. It's because some people are claiming that the Son of God did not come in the flesh as John is confirming here. And we got to remember that John is not just some inspired person. John was there whenever Jesus did his miracles. John was there at the foot of the cross when he saw flesh and blood bleeding. John was there in the room when the resurrected Christ came in. John was there and he's saying, he says it in chapter 1 at the very beginning, I'm telling you this so you can be sure what eyes have seen, what we've looked at, what we've touched. He says it again in verse 6. He says, you have to walk as Jesus did, not walk 
as Jesus would if he were here in the body. He says you have to walk as Jesus did. And then in John, First uh, John chapter three, look at that verse for me real quick. John chapter three, First John chapter three, verse sixteen, very clearly. This is how we know what love is. That there is some abstract idea that hopefully you can figure out and follow the way that a loving and living God who lives in heaven and doesn't know what your life looks like would do it. Now he could write that, but this is what John chose to write. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. There was a life in the flesh that he had, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Now this is going to be important for us to remember as we start saying, what does it mean to test the spirits? I thought we were talking about spirits today, not about flesh and bone. Well, yes. John goes on to describe the physical realities of living that life in love that is alive in them because God put his spirit in them. The spirit is real and the humanity is real. And Jesus has both um, flesh and spirit. And he's calling his followers to be both. When the false teachers begin to deny that Jesus was fully human, they begin to discount anything that happens in the body. As long as you believe the right thing, you don't have to adhere to the physical realities of the man Jesus. Because as long as you arrive at the right teaching in your brain and in your heart and even in your spirit, then the physical evidence of your faith is not important. John tells them that anyone who teaches that Jesus did not come in the flesh and in the spirit is the Antichrist. We, he says it right there in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. In the last sentence, he says, The spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard of, is coming and is already in the world. So the reality here that I want you to realize is, and that you know is that there is something spiritual that happens. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Instead of being physical beings, having a spiritual experience. we got to realize that our most basic reality is that we are men and women of the Spirit. And God invites us to join Him and to receive His Spirit, which will live with Him forever. The reality that the church was in 90 AD was living, and they knew the tension of following Jesus and not following Jesus. In the 60s, there was an emperor in Rome called Nero. And everyone in the Roman Empire, if you were confessing the name of Jesus, instead of confessing that an egomaniac leader of an empire was the greatest thing ever, then you were somehow in danger of dying. You had to confess Nero was the son of God. Nero was the one that you would bow to, that you would kneel to. No relevance to today. God is calling us to give our lives away. After that, uh, Domitian was the emperor. Same thing. So these people know that if they're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost them not only some freedoms, it would cost them their rights that they have as Roman citizens, that they were going to give up some rights and possibly even their life to follow a king instead of an emperor. And John wants to make it clear to them that he who is in you, the spirit that guarantees your salvation, is greater than the spirit that is in this world. I struggle with saying some of these things because some of these things 
tear at the roots that I want to hold on to in this earth. Some of these, some of these are just my own desires. Some of these are my national identity. But John is calling us to something much greater than what is happening for our own pleasure and what is happening on this earth because there's something else that's happening. But we can't deny what happens on this earth has spiritual ramifications. That's kind of the hard part that he does. The spiritual realm is a reality, and Satan is the ruler of the spirit of the earth. The world calls us away from the creator who made us in his image, both male and female who created them. Since the Garden of Eden, man has sought an opinion. If the opinion that man could find was something that was going to please him, we see in the Garden of Eden what the choice is. Now, Eve has everything she needs that has been provided by a loving God. But is tempted by somebody else who says, yes, but, or no, not really, this is really what God wants. And so Eve gives in to the temptation. Now, for Adam, I think it's a setup. Men, you're the only man on earth and there's one woman on earth. She's naked and offers you food. And you're supposed to tell her no thank you? All right? It was a setup for Adam, I'm telling you. He had no good, good answer to go. But he went with, I'm going to follow what the serpent said. And I know what God said, but I'm going to follow what this other human said. Where are we testing the spirits? Are we asking God, is this really following you, God? Or are we saying, you know what, that sounds good to me. I think I'm going to do it. We need help. Our nation needs guidance. Nations of the world need guidance. Our world needs to be led by the great creator again. And what to do when we seek guidance? What are we going to do? We do the same as those Christians in John's day, where when they tempted to do, we're going to listen. And we do. We listen. We're actively listening. We Google things. Not just how do I do that, but how to make a relationship better. We go to relationship websites to find a new relationship. We are actively seeking, asking the hard questions of life. Now, that's not bad. We should do this. We should ask questions. But John's warning is to listen. And he's very stern about it. I'm asking this because the spirit of the Antichrist is alive in this world. The spirit that says Jesus wasn't fully human is alive in this world. That he's only spirit is alive in this world. And John is coming back and saying he is flesh and spirit. You are spirit and you have to live in this flesh. And there's a way that you're going to prove your belief. If Jesus is God's son and he is fully human, then how can he truly embody a love that he is asking us to imitate. If Christ is not fully human, how can he die and rise again in life? If Jesus Christ is not fully human, then why do we follow him in our own humanity? Why not just follow him in spirit? John knows that the powerful test, that this is a powerful test for them to follow. So let me ask you a question. Who are you listening to? When you come with struggles, where are you finding your answers? Because if you're here and you've got questions about life, if you're here and you don't have it all figured out and you're trying to gather with other Christians, you're in the right place because we're all asking these questions. Let's look at some of these questions that we're looking at. While I was at ACU, I actually um, had a professor. His name was Randy Harris. And he would often remind me as I was going through a, a period of really evaluating what I was going to do when I would grow up. I was 42 at the time. And I was asking big life questions. I came to him and I asked him, I said, how do I know when God answers? I was about to go. I went off to a, a, a monastery for five days. Silent. 
Nobody talks. You don't have music. When you go to the lunchroom, all you hear are forks and knives. Nobody talks. Five days of silence. And I said, how do I know if I'm going to hear the, the voice of God? And he said, well, here's what's going to happen. He said, it's a good question because if you ask God for an answer, some scary things can happen. God may give you an intelligible answer, something you understand, Ricky, which will most likely call you to a deeper death to yourself. It's like, well, maybe I don't want God to show up. He said, well, there's another option. The other team might show up with an answer. You see, we've all got questions about life, and Satan's going to show up with his answer. If you're asking, how can I save my marriage? Trust me, Satan's going to show up with an answer. He's going to show up with an answer. If you ask, how can I save my marriage? God's going to show up with an answer. But here's the warning. God's answer is going to call you to die to yourself. In 1 John 3, 16, it says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we should do the same for others. So sometimes whenever I'm asking God questions, I want him to say, because this is how you're going to do it. You're going to get a raise. This is how you're going to do it. Your daughter's going to be a this. This is how you're going to do it. Your son will be making you proud by doing this. God, give me my answers. And if we're reading the Bible, what it seems like when people are called to follow Jesus, they don't become heroes, they become martyrs. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we're going to follow Jesus, the life that we get is going to look awesome from the viewpoint of God, not from the viewpoint of this world. And he warns him in this section, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. He said, the world has one viewpoint. What's important to you? How do you feel? The world is going to give you an answer, and he's going to give you a path to follow. But he says, Jesus has another answer, that you would lay down your life. I don't like, I don't like it when either one of those people show up when I ask answers. But those are the two answers that we're going to get. Now, does that mean Jesus is a sadist and wants to hurt us? No. You will find your life when you, what? Lose it. Those aren't my words. Those are red letters. We're going to watch a video, but we're going to skip that. Ray Kinsella, in the movie Field of Dreams, is asking big questions. Actually, he's hearing a calling in his heart. If you build it, and it's an incredible story, and it has so many great spiritual analogies, but it's not the greatest baseball movie ever done. We all know that it was The Natural, okay? That was the greatest baseball movie ever made. But he's asking a big, this big question is the, the, if they build it, they will come. It's actually a longing from his heart to reconnect with his dad. Now that is very real. I, I spoke with a friend yesterday who just lost his grandmother. And he's answering a call that is somehow inside him, there's something broken, looking for an answer. And the answer for him is to build a baseball field and he gets to know his dad and he sees him, and so it makes him feel good. And so they both conclude, this must be heaven because it's where dreams come true. But in Jesus' version of the story, this must be heaven because it's where you lose your life so you may gain it. I struggle with that reality. You know, uh, I'm sure Don Barnett was listening to the band The Chainsmokers this morning as he was coming to church. I think that's his favorite band. But they ask an incredible question. They say this, crashing hit a wall, 
right now, I need a miracle. Hold up now, I need a miracle. Stranded, reaching out, I call your name, but you're not around. I, I say your name, but you're not around. I need you, I need you, I need you right now. Yeah, I need you right now. So don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. I think I'm losing my mind. It's in my head. Darling, I hope that you'll be here when I need you the most. So don't let me, don't let me, don't let me down. Don't let me down. As we call out this week, asking God the questions that we have in life, I want to remind you that you're going to get two answers. And test those spirits. One answer, as you call out, and maybe this is you right now calling out to God's spirit, God, help me. Don't let me down. I need a way out of this. You're going to get probably one of these two answers. Find a way to make yourself happy or die to yourself so you can find life. What's the solution? John is writing to these men and women as a community. He's not writing individuals. Some of you do feel all alone, and I want to encourage you. That's why we're here as a church. I want to encourage you to find other men and women who you see following the way of Jesus and say, here's what, where I'm at. Could you pray for me? Because I want to follow the way of the Spirit. Do it with other people of the light. A question you have to ask is, does this decision elevate Jesus, the one who calls you to lose your life so that you can gain it? Or does it elevate you and your desires so you can fulfill them? Does your answer sound more like, Jesus laid down his life for us, so I should do the same? Will you surround yourself with people who encourage you to die to yourself and fill yourself with the spirit of the living and loving God, who John calls the light? Will you surround yourself with people who says, get what you can now, because this is all there is and you only go around once? Who's helping you test those decisions in your life? Those two answers will manifest themselves in your faith of a Jesus who walked the earth as flesh and bone or, either, or as a good idea that makes us feel good. Because hopefully there's a heaven where dreams come true and we can play baseball with somebody who we really miss. That's harsh. And let me tell you, I'm talking to myself. John continues to remind his followers, you are God's child. So let me remind you today, you are God's child. The light that he has put in you has to be lived out. And when you're in a tough spot, there's going to be two answers you can choose. I can't do this alone. I need to be a part of a body. I need to have relationships with other men and women who are dying to themselves. Let's encourage each other. Let's pray before we begin to sing. Father, please take this broken message and use it for your honor. But God, we are crying out right now. We need you. We need you. We need you right now. For some of us, our crisis, Father, is revolved around our parenting. For some of us, our crisis right now, Father, is revolved around an addiction. For some of us right now, Father, it's involving a relationship. For some of us right now, Father, we're looking for a way out financially. And Father, I pray that your spirit, which you have put inside of us that guarantees our salvation, would speak loud. And I pray that together 
we would shut the voices out that say this world is our home and that we would listen to your spirit that calls us